morning. If you've got a Bible with you, you might want to be turning to John chapter 8. That's where we're going in just a moment. I just want to say I'm a bit overwhelmed this morning. I didn't know how I was going to feel this morning. Some of you might have noticed that I haven't been in the room for the last three weeks. And maybe some of this came out in that last prayer. Don't take this for granted. Don't take this for granted. This is wonderful. This is awesome. The people of God gathering together to praise his name and to hear from the word and to hear what God is saying through and to different ones of us. The writer to the Hebrews talks about don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. Well, let me encourage you right now. Let's not give up doing this. There's lots of other things we don't want to give up doing as well, but let's not give up being the people of God who come together and praise his name. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. We're going to look at John chapter 8. There's a bit of it to read. We're going to look at that this this morning as we carry on our series in the Gospel of John. So John chapter 8, or actually John chapter 7, verse 53. Oh, no. John chapter 8, verse 1. I'm being fooled by my Bible putting that next to it. Anyway, John chapter 8 was 1, starting halfway through a sentence. I'm messing with myself now. Can I start the reading, but? I'm going to. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. 
Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in, my, in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God was your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning 
not holding to the truth, that there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this day exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and yet, and you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Okay, there's a lot there. We're covering a lot of ground. A story, a woman trapped in adultery, the Pharisees trying to trap Jesus, the religious leaders trying to trap Jesus, and then this big, long discourse, Jesus and the religious leaders, the religious leaders challenging Jesus, questioning him, and Jesus responding with challenge for them. We've seen Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles over the last couple of weeks when we've looked at chapter 7 as Dan's taken us through that. We've seen, as Dan described, the Marmite reaction to Jesus. Some love him. They follow him. They understand this is the one God has sent. We're going to follow him. But others hate him. Seen the truth that the world hates Jesus. The world is in rebellion against God. And the world needs saving by Jesus. And so we look through chapter 7, then Jesus said on the last and greatest day of the feast, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him, within them. That's John 7, 37 and 38. You see Jesus speaking into the festival. Look, we're out here at the Feast of Tabernacles. You're longing for the fulfillment of this, longing for this, as Dan described, this symbolic jug of water that was poured out on the, on the altar to be that vision that Ezekiel saw, rivers of living water flowing out from the temple, flowing out, life coming. You're longing for that fulfillment. That's why you keep celebrating. You're waiting for it to happen. Well, here I am. 
Here I am. And here in chapter 8, he does it again. Chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, not only on the last and greatest day of the feast would they pour out the water on the altar, but during the festival, they would light these four massive lamps in the temple, in the court of women. And they would remember the guiding light, the pillar of fire in the desert. This was God leading the way. This was God leading us through the desert. And these lamps would kind of light up the whole of Jerusalem. They'd see it all across Jerusalem. And Jesus stands up and says, look, I am the light of the world. We're going to look at this chapter and see what we see. Jesus again speaking in, look, I've come. I'm here. It's me. I'm here amongst you. First, we're going to see what, what then do we see of Jesus? Who is Jesus here? We see this wonderful declaration I am the light of the world. Jesus declares it, that he is the light of the world, as John has already pointed us in that direction, right back in that kind of introduction to the book, in John chapter 1 and verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The true light that gives light to everyone. This is Jesus. He declares it now. I am the light of the world. Light shining in the darkness. And in effect, this whole chapter is one of exposing the religious leaders' lack of understanding, their lack of recognition, their lack of acceptance of who Jesus really is. He is the light of the world. And yet we read in verse 13, they're questioning. The Pharisees challenge him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Questioning the validity of what he's saying questioning his authority. How can you make such a claim of yourself? How can you say such things? Who do you think you are? As he goes on, Jesus tries to explain to them. But in verse 19, they ask again, well, okay, where is your father? Jesus has claimed, look, I don't come on my own authority. I come in the authority of the father. Well, where is your father? They don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand who he is in relation to, the fa- to, fa- to God the Father. They ask, where is he? But that's because they don't understand who he is. They make claims. So we go on in verse, right on in verse 48. The Jews then come up with this. The Jews answer him, aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? All sorts of claims and challenges and objections because they don't see who it is who stands before them. Jesus, the Son of God, 
the only Son of the Father, come down to earth, the true light that gives light to all men, the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Jesus makes a big claim, a divine claim. Following on from his statement about living water, he's saying, look, I am the fulfillment. I am the one you've been waiting for. Are you thirsty? Come to me. Get streams of living water. Now, look, I am the light of the world. I'm the one who shows the way. God sent a pillar of fire to guide you so many years ago. Now he sent me. I have come. I am the light of the world. John's going to go on to say when he writes his first letter, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is who God is. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And Jesus declares it here, look, the light has come. I am the light of the world. But what does that mean? What do we see here? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm going to suggest that here we see three things. That's not a surprise. But we see, as Jesus says, I am the light of the world, we see that the light exposes. The light exposes darkness and sin. But we see also that the light leads. The light leads to the Father. And thirdly, the light gives. The light gives life. As I was thinking about this, a picture that would just keep coming into my head was that of a lighthouse. And then the words of that Ren Collective song came into my head. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to shore. I remember having conversations about the lyrics of that song and the lyrics can sound a bit confusing. They can sound a bit strange. How do you follow a lighthouse? The lighthouse is sat on, on the hilltop. How can a lighthouse carry you anywhere? It's sat on a hilltop. But I propose in a real way, there's something about those lyrics that capture something of the multifaceted role of a lighthouse. The lighthouse stood on the rocky outcrop, shining out its light. Well, what's job number one? Don't come to these rocks. Here's the darkness. Here's what's wrong. Here is what is bad. Here is what to avoid. Here is what to stay away from. But when the sailor sees the lighthouse, he knows here's the way. Here's the way. Here's the way to the harbour. Here's the way in. Here's the way to go. And that got me thinking, here we go, history lesson, film history. Pete's Dragon. The original, not the modern one, 1977, Pete's Dragon. Anyway, for those who don't know Pete's Dragon, it's a story about a young boy, Pete. He's an orphan and he's got a pet dragon who's invisible, so people think he's imaginary, but he's not. 
But the end of that film, this is the scene that came into my mind, at the end of that film, there's a woman who takes Pete in and looks after him, but her long-lost love has gone away to sea and is feared lost. And the, the end of the, the film, we see these two sailors battling the storm in the darkness. And the lighthouse, the woman and her father, they're the lighthouse keepers. Just got to get that in there. The light won't light. But of course... Now it's time for Elliot the dragon to come to the fore. And he lights the lamp. And this moment that you see these two sailors out in the storm, out in the darkness, that they see the light of the lighthouse and their reaction, yes, now I can see where to go. Now I can see, yes, I don't want to go there where the rocks are, but now I know there's the lighthouse, so the harbour is here. I'm saved. We're saved. This is it. It is, of course, an imperfect picture. There is so much more here as Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. But that joy and that wonder that those two sailors could feel, I see him. Now I can see my way. Now I know where to go. Let's remember that as we look through these things. So firstly, light exposes darkness, exposes sin. That's what's happening here through this whole chapter. The religious leaders, they're coming, they're challenging Jesus, they're questioning him, they're bringing all the tests and the challenges and the questions. But all the while, it's Jesus who is exposing that they are walking in darkness that they are full of sin, that they need salvation, they need saving, they need rescuing. Light exposes darkness. As Isaiah prophesied, this wonderful words in Isaiah chapter 9. And Isaiah 9 and verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned and it goes on to talk about the fact to us a child is born as this as Jesus has come into the world a light has dawned the people walking in darkness the people who are lost in sin the people who are lost and trapped a light has dawned the light exposes the darkness and as we look at these uh these verses in John chapter 8, we see specifically Jesus exposing them, judging him by human standards. Verse 15, we see, you judge me by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. They've been, they've been asking the questions. They've been judging, saying, who are you to speak? They see a man. They see this bloke from Galilee who's turned up and is making these claims, and they say, who are you to speak? What are you saying? Your testimony is invalid. Jesus exposes they're seeing through worldly eyes, and they're blind to the truth. It's an aside to us right here so easily. How easily can we slip into that kind of judgmental attitude? to look down on others, to see wrong motives that aren't there, to, to think, oh, well, I don't really need to listen to that. I'm better than you. How easy is it to do? 
Jesus exposes their judgmental attitude. Jesus exposes their pride in their position. Look at them, so confident in their position. So confident. The leaders of the people, the religious leaders who, who everyone listens to us. So confident that they cannot receive what Jesus says. They're so confident in their heritage. We are children of Abraham. We are God's people. Who are you to speak to us? Verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? In verse 39. Abraham is our father, they answered. In verse 41. Jesus challenges them, you're doing the works of your own father. And they're indignant. We're not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. They're so confident in their position, their heritage, the the fact that they can trace their descent back to Abraham, the one that God, the person who God chose. So confident in their heritage and their position. They're blind to their need and to the truth. In verse 39, Jesus lays it out. They say, Abraham is our father. Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. But they don't see it. Jesus exposes their pride, exposes their need, but they don't see the truth. We need him. We need him. Jesus acknowledges the fact, yeah, I know you're descendants of Abraham, but if you were truly Abraham's children, then you would see this. You would understand. You would listen to me. And ultimately, Jesus is exposing their spiritual slavery, that they are slaves to sin. Verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. And again in verse 34, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You see the light of the world shining his light. Shining the light on them and in them. Exposing sin. In them and in us too. You see, if we hold too tightly to the lighthouse imagery, we can say, okay, well, it's good. The light is shining out there and it will show me where the darkness is. Jesus, the light of the world, shines right into our hearts. says, look, I'm exposing the darkness in here because I want to set you free. God, I want to save you. I I want to draw you to me. I want you to turn from that. exposes sin. He shines a light in our hearts, shows us our need. You see, verse 24 and 34 apply to us as well. I told you you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, he will indeed die in your sins. He points out the truth and the reality, exposes the reality of where we are. Without Jesus, we're lost. We're dead in our transgressions and sins. We are lost. 
in the darkness of our sin. Jesus shines the light and exposes our need for forgiveness. He exposes our sin, our rebellion, which ultimately, like the religious leaders, means that we are dead. And like as they try to do, no check of our family tree, no position of power, no totting up of the supposedly good deeds that we have done will save us. Only coming to him, only coming to Jesus, only Jesus and his death and resurrection that he points to in verse 28. You don't recognize me. And then he says in verse 28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. Jesus exposes sin, but he takes it. He took it to the cross. He exposes sin and points, you need forgiveness, you need salvation. If we come to him, that's where we find it. We come to him, that's where we find life and hope. And it's an ongoing work as well. His light graciously still shines. His light shines in the darkness and shows us, no, no, you're mine. That doesn't belong here anymore. That doesn't belong. Let's turn away from that. No, no, no don't do that. As Ephesians 5 and verse 8 to 10 tell us. In Ephesians 5, Paul picking up a similar theme. Ephesians 5 and verse 8. Here's the truth. Here's what Jesus is exposing. For, one, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. We see the light shines in the darkness and exposes the sin and darkness and says, come to me, come to me. So the light exposes, but also the light leads. The light leads to the Father. What does Jesus said? I am the light of the world, whoever follows me. And you see all through this passage, all through this chapter, Jesus is speaking a lot about his father. You see, they ask, what authority do you have? Your testimony is not valid. How can you talk? And Jesus again and again is pointing them, I'm not on my own. My father is with me. It's not from me alone. My authority comes from above, from my father, from my father in heaven. My father is the one. Jesus says, it's from my Father. Don't you see the unique relationship I have with the Father in heaven? I am the Son, the Son, the Son of God, and he has sent me. I come with his authority. You see, he points out, I'm doing my Father's will. John, 6, John chapter 8, verse 16 he talks about if he does judge, his decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In verse 28, again in response to them, 
He says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. And on in verse 49, I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Jesus revealing, I have come to do the Father's will. I've come to open the way to him. I've come to lead the way to him. You see, he's exposing where they're at, but he's showing the way. He's showing them the way. Verse 19. They've asked him, where is your father? He says, you do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He turns it round in, in verse 42 as well. Jesus said to them, if God was your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. If you knew me, you would know the father. I'm the way to him. Come to me, know me, and you will truly know the father. You will truly be in relationship with him. You will truly be God's children. You will truly be as you claim to be Abraham's children. As he will say elsewhere, we'll get to it in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus, the light of the world, he exposes sin and provides the answer. Come to me, follow me, trust in my death and my resurrection. Come to me, come and repent, come and recognize your need, come recognize your sinfulness and see the grace that is provided by the light of the world. Listen to me, it's not based on your, your family history, it's not based on your position of power, it's based on knowing me. Trusting me, following me, and all that I have done for you. You see, the cry to the religious leaders from Jesus is this. You think you are children of God. You think you are his people. You think you're the children of Abraham. But you're not. You're lost in your sin. You're slaves to sin, but you can be. You can come through me. You need me. I am the way to my Father. The light of the world is the one that exposes and the one that leads the way to the Father, opens the way to the Father. And thirdly, therefore, it's the light of the world that gives life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 1 verse 4, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus has come to give life. As we were looking at over the last couple of weeks in chapter 7, come to me and drink, believe in me and rivers of living water will flow within you. And here, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me 
We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. In Jesus, we find life. The light of the world reveals sin, exposes our need, exposes our utter need of him. He shows the way and he gives and he transforms and he gives life. And just as we come to a close, this passage starts with a story. Now, it's a story that is the subject of much debate about whether it belongs here at the beginning of John 8, whether it was originally in the book of John. And yet we see this story actually illustrates what then comes after. What do I mean? We see a woman trapped in adultery. We see the leaders want to stone her. They went, look, look, this is what the law says, Jesus, come on. And this is what the law says. And they want to use her to trap him. But into that moment, we see Jesus, the light of the world, come. And as he speaks, as he talks to them, he exposes them. Okay. Let him who is without sin throw the first stone. And he just kneels down again and keeps writing on the ground. And when he looks up, they've all gone. He exposes their sin. Let him who is without sin throw the first stone. Okay. And in exposing the leader's sin, he brings transformation for that woman. Transforming the situation for that woman brought in at the beginning of chapter 8, destined to die. Now, the chance to live. Now, the chance to live. And some people might complain, and oh, was Jesus just saying, oh, well, well, sin doesn't matter then, and the consequences of sin, no, 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 no. No, the grace of Jesus comes this isn't a sin doesn't matter, don't worry about it. Does he say, no, go, go. Neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Go, take this opportunity. Come, recognize I am the answer. We see the light of the world, the one who brings life, demonstrating his mercy and his grace and bringing life. Where once there was going to be death, now there is life. We don't know what happened with this woman, but we see the opportunity she's afforded. Go and sin no more. Here's the, here, is the, here is the opportunity that Jesus offers. Repent. Turn. Come to me and repent. And follow. Come to Jesus. Turn from your life of sin. Turn from your rebellion against him. And find life. In Jesus, the light of the world. You see, it's interesting. This passage goes full circle. It starts with the leaders wanting to stone a woman to death. And it ends with the leaders wanting to stone Jesus to death. Well, even in there, where we end with that picture, 
is Jesus, the one who went to death for us. The light of the world, who in him there is no darkness at all. He exposes darkness. He exposes sin. He shows, I am the way. And that was how he did it. He took our sin. He took it all on himself and went to the cross. So that if we will come to him, if we will recognize this light of the world, we can have life. We can have freedom. We can have forgiveness in him. And we can know the Father. This is Jesus. This is the light of the world. Amen. I'm going to